Welcome to the Transforming Lives Podcast, where we celebrate how God is at work in the hearts and minds of individuals and families whose lives have been transformed by excellent Christ-centered education. I am your host, Dr. Andy Goodwin, and it is my honor to share these inspiring stories for your encouragement and for the advancement of the kingdom. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Transforming Lives podcast. I am here with Kevin Russell, covenant dad, uh, great friend to what is happening in the kingdom, pursuing that in his own role professionally and personally, and most definitely as dad. Kevin, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. You know that we always start off with the same first two questions and then end with the same one. And so we'll go ahead and get that kicked off, and then we'll get into your story of interacting with Christian education. So first of all, what is true and good and beautiful in your life right now? I really appreciate that you ask that question every time with CEO, Coffee with the CEO, because it's one of those jolting reminders to me to stop and recount what is true and good and beautiful because it's so easy to just for that to get lost in the everyday and so for me right now it's probably fall Uh, i'm a big fan of Hmm. the winter weather oh yeah so this is a good change and to hear leaves blowing in the trees to hear um, leaves crunching underfoot and to know that there's change coming (laughs) and change is inevitable and that there are to be reminded that there are rhythms to life that we just don't stay right where we're at. Amen. Yeah. Probably a lot of people would be the opposite. They're lamenting the the passing of summer, right. <laughs> but I think it's beautiful as yeah. well. Good. What's one passage of scripture that you have dwelt on recently? I've been in uh, Matthew five three that says, "Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God." Mm. The reason I've been in that is I've been in the Beatitudes recently for a specific reason, and that is, I don't want to say I'm haunted by, but there's this great interest in if we're supposed to follow the ways of Jesus, then what are the ways? What are his habits? What are his rhythms? What the ways of him? And so I've been doing some personal study just looking at what are those ways of Jesus. And so the Beatitudes was a really great place to start. Yeah, that's a fantastic passage. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I'm going to have to get back into that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we hung out there for a while in the faculty and staff spiritual formation hmm. groups. Okay. And I think that was a, a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and it, it always gives more every time that you come back to it. Right. Okay. I'd love to get into your story about Christian education, sure. how you be- came uh, to be a part of it, and uh, how it's impacting your family. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll just start with how you came to be a part of the Covenant community. That was through our connection with the Oaks mm-hmm. Academy, and sort of short story on that is when we vacillated between public and private education, and when we were looking to move out of the public realm and back into private Christian realm in middle school, we took a tour of the Oaks and some kind of little parent meeting. And when my wife and I walked out, the Holy Spirit was so powerful about, Mm. you don't need to look anywhere else. Mm. 
And so we didn't. <laughs> and it was a blessing for that. And so really for us, the Oaks was a bit of an on-ramp into Covenant, but the experience was a little bit opposite. So when it came time to uh, look at high schools, uh, we weren't sure that we were going to go with private Christian education. That's the direction that my wife and I wanted to go, but we wanted our daughter to have a strong voice in that and have mm-hmm. an opinion in that. And so we took the opposite approach, and we toured numerous high schools, public and private, and they all had their merits in some way or another. And then uh, our daughter was able to shadow, she was able to tour, and then we were able to participate in the covenant experience, and the same exact thing happened, that the Holy Spirit made it abundantly clear that this is where our family was to continue the education for our daughter, Hmm. in part uh, because of the strong partnering aspect, that it's not just an educational institution that that is instilling biblical worldview and perspectives, but that there is a true partnership in spiritual formation, and that was really important to our family. And so that's really the the on-roading experience that we had with Covenant, and we're delighted that we did. I'm so glad that you listened to the Spirit. One of the things that is interesting over the years has been hearing certain families saying, as parents, we decided that this is where they're coming. We're committed. Mm -hmm. And more and more we're hearing a conversation between the parents and the student. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that conversation and allowing her to be a part of the decision. Mm -hmm. Our family, that's a vibe in our family, that we we very much have open conversations about many different things. And so we encourage our daughter to have an opinion— God has blessed her to be a very strongly opinionated person. She's got a very strong personality. So that that type of interaction in our family is easy for us. But I think for our family, it's just really important for people to voice and to want to participate in what is their future. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. As a student— it wasn't until I was an adult student that I actually valued the <laughs> educational process, yeah. and it was completely different for me then. And so providing that kind of opportunity to not just have a voice in it, but to participate in it and to, in some ways, um, shape and form that is really important. This, the same thing happens with classes that she chooses. Oh, wow. We're like later in the process. She tells us, hey, here's what I'm thinking, rather than us suggesting, hey, would you think about that? And so it's very much an open dialogue. And as parents, we provide counsel and our opinions, and the rest is up to the good Lord. Okay. So I'd love to drill down then on the where to of education. Uh, There's a lot of talk about the ROI. Mm-hmm. And if I do this at this time in her education, that's going to mean these scholarships, that's going to mean this university track, that's going to mean this trade school, this is going to whatever it is, yeah. and we're working towards a determined next step. 
But how do you all view education now, mm-hmm. and how might you think about the future of it? That's a challenge, bit more of a challenging question. Our family is, we're not that kind of family. <laughs> we're not that kind of strategic planning kind of family in the sense that we don't think about, let me rephrase that, we think about, but we don't put a lot of merit or weight on strategically working out each step to try and provide for some future opportunity, mainly because our life experiences as parents have God leads you where God wants you to be. And so you can have your plan, but if your plan's not aligning with God's plan, then he's going to reroute you in a mid-course correction. And so we make a lot of plans, but we're holding those loosely depending on what God is, what opportunities God is providing, and then we step into those opportunities. That's the way education has been for our family. Um, We just wouldn't have been able to do private Christian education, but God made a way, and Mm. he continues to make a way. Mm. And we don't disregard planning or strategic thinking in any regards. It just, it's not the driving force for us. So I don't know if that answers your question, but... Yeah, it is good. And a lot of times, not just in education, but in other realms, there's a more pragmatic talk or a desire for some kind of concreteness and Mm -hmm. a little bit less of a posture and philosophical bent. We can take those things, but we really want to know where we're going and what's his, we're performance oriented a lot of times. I've I've had to learn that lesson very hardly in my life. It's been a very difficult lesson because God has completely changed my life path around and my vocational careers around. And so, you know, being in a place where you're hard and fast on this is what's going to happen and I'm going to do steps A, B, and C, that's how I'm wired. That's my personality. But I've Mm. learned to let go of that and to make my plans, but also recognize that God's sovereign, and He's He has a plan for my life, mm. and if, and my best position is to be at the intersection of God's purposes for my life and my purposes for my life. Mm. Um, and so we try to parent in the same way. Yeah. Um, and the reality is that God provides. So working diligently, or maybe I should say, letting something consume you and consume your parenting lane to try and get your child to a particular location or to a particular school, that's just not how our family's wired. Hmm. And so we, I don't knock it by any means, Um, it's just not how we are wired. And uh, particularly as a blended family, we just recognize God's sovereignty in getting people where he wants them to be. So. Amazing. Okay, then, about excellence yeah. and achievement and self-worth. Mm-hmm. I think I have a little bit of vocabulary based on what you've shared. Okay. But how do you all think about or talk about the ideas of excellence and achievement and self-worth 
maybe related to school, maybe sports, maybe mm-hmm. other things, maybe all of those. Sure. I think our family tends to take the approach with excellence that do your best. Give God your best and give whatever effort you are involved in at the moment, give it your best. And, and from that point, we as a family are not necessarily motivated or driven by outcomes or trophies or GPAs or any of that. that. That's just not how our family's wired. So we strive for excellence, but we don't let excellence become a master, hmm. which is really how we approach achievement too. That I think achievement's great. It's one of my it's one of my gifting points is I'm an achiever, and so I really have to pull the reins back on achievement mm. because that's my natural bent is to go do. Um, but as a family, we value achievement greatly, but we also recognize that achievement can flip on you, and it can become a god. It can become a master mm. to where it's driving you in every facet of your life. And that's the edge that we try to put guardrails between us and that edge so we don't get close to that edge as a family. And sometimes that means hard conversations about achievement, about are you doing your best? Are you giving your best? Or have you done your best? And then if so, that's really all we ever ask. Okay. Because that looks different for everybody. And as parents, our perspective or opinion of what that excellence and what achievement should look like, that may not be our daughter's Mm -hmm. vantage point. Mm -hmm. And so we have to meet in the middle somewhere so that we're not driving her to a, an external sense of achievement that we have. Mm -hmm. Whereas we're trying to there's a passage of scripture that talks about being a student of your wife. Mm. And and so I take that approach to parenting is, is you really got to be a student of your child. Uh, and so you got to understand where they are, where they're gifted at, where they're headed, and then try to fuel that fire and encourage that. And so that makes us as parents have to put some of our stuff in the back seat yeah. and just see what's going to come about within our daughter. Okay, so then self-worth. Right? At some mm-hmm. point, we all get the gift, and we don't necessarily see it as a gift, but we get the gift of failure. Mm-hmm. And not that then self-worth is discovered in failure, but there, there's some connections. And then yeah, from sure. excellence and achievement, self-worth, failure, something, something happening somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. How do you all talk about self-worth, who, who you are, who she is? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, as parents, we're constantly trying to reinforce the identity in Christ uh, as the foundation. Um, but with teenagers, that's really a challenge, particularly in our modern-day culture, where identity is found in so many other things. And so that's a constant drip, I would say, Hmm. that we're trying to reinforce. And sometimes that comes across in straightforward conversations. Hey, reality check, identity check, 
Is your identity getting wrapped up in X, Y, Z? Or sometimes that's more subtle. But the reality is trying to recognize that it's really easy. It's a really slippery slope, and we will find our identity in so many other things if we allow that to happen. And in our family, we just talk openly about that. And so some of that is learned by trial and error, or some of it is, as parents, sharing, oops, I got a little off course Mm -hmm. here, and my identity got a little wrapped up in this project or this particular work I'm doing or this hobby or whatever that idol is. And so being vulnerable and being open, being consistent. And this has a little bit to do with, for me, it has a little bit to do with having covenant as a partner in spiritual formation is is a lot of times, at least my experience has been that it's really good to have your student hear things from somebody else. Yeah. Because when they're hearing it from mom and dad, it's just, it's the Charlie Brown wah, 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 wah. You need the third-party magic. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So having that reinforcing message of trying to anchor that identity in the right place Mm -hmm. is really good because it's all getting in there regardless of what we may see on the surface. (laughs) Okay. So I wanted to get into that a little bit more. Not everybody is familiar with the terms spiritual formation, or when they hear them, they're wondering if that's supposed to be synonymous with something else and we're just using different terms, or if it's opposed to other things that maybe feel more comfortable, wording that may feel more comfortable. What is you all's understanding of spiritual formation and and its worth? I'll I'll speak for myself. Uh, I think it's the maturing process in your faith. To use churchy words, it would be sanctification. But I like to think about it in terms of maturing because there's a process that we go through in our faith that as we come to Christ and we have an understanding of who he is, what he's done on our behalf, and we may even have some beginning understanding of positionally where we are in Christ. But there's a maturing process that has to happen where I got to move in my walk with Christ. I got to move from sipping on milk to chewing some meat. And the, the, the process of spiritual formation is that process of maturing. And that has to be a very intentional process. At least my experience has been that, that it doesn't happen passively or lackadaisically it is something that you have to be absolutely intentional about and just speaking from my own life i have recognized recently that there are there are places in my faith that need development and that's particularly in the realm of having brothers in christ around me mm. and so creating a band of brothers to help me in that maturing process to walk that walk with me. That's an example of the balls in my court. Now that the Spirit has revealed that here's a void, here's a place where you're not walking in fullness, um, and here's what I want you to do about it, 
now the ball's in my court to actually do that mm-hmm. and to, to reach out to other men and say, hey, would you consider just walking together? And that's what I'm trying to figure out how to do, how to make that awkward ask. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's good. And I'm glad that you talked about recently in your own life. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we're thinking, again, even with spiritual formation, just as achievement and academics and sports and those things, as a finalized product, mm-hmm. a demonstrable, this is what we achieved. You graduated yeah. and you're spiritually formed. Yeah. But it's, an ongoing, ongoing. process. Yeah. How would you encourage other parents who they, they may be comfortable and not pulling their hair out, but they still really want that product? They're looking for that. Mm-hmm. What is it going to look like after these four years or however long in Christian education? Mm-hmm. Or even, hey, I've got my kids in what I feel like is the right environment to right. marinate in, mm-hmm. and yet. I'm I'm seeing them struggle. I'm struggling. How would you encourage them? You're just describing my life right there. (laughs) I guess for me, it falls back onto faith. I recognize and I'm constantly sharing with my wife, it all gets in. We just don't always see it. And I think that was a quote that I shared with you via email that I was really interested in. Mm -hmm. You, You had a different way of communicating that, but the premise was the same, that what I see on the outside does not necessarily equate to what's going on the inside mm-hmm. of my child. And what we as a family and as parents, what we try to remember is that God's got this, all right? That, And even if there are mistakes that are being made now or in the future, God's still got it. And he's got a, he's got a purpose for that mistake or he's got a purpose for that hard time or that hard season. And I may not like it as a parent. I may not want my child to go through that kind of struggle. But the reality is it's if I don't allow them, then they're not going to receive the shaping and the forming that Mm -hmm. God wants them to have. That's so hard. (laughs) And it is. It's super hard. And so faith, I think, would be to lean back on your faith in the Lord, that he is in control and that he loves our children more than we do. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we got to get out of the way and let them learn and let them learn in their own, let them participate as a front seat driver in their own spiritual formation mm-hmm. rather than as parents. Maybe that's a a better illustration, that in high school, this is just my sense, I'm a one-child dad, so I'm Mm -hmm. I'm figuring it out as we go along. Mm -hmm. I don't have multiple children to go, oh, yeah, I remember that. But in high school, I think there's got to be this point where a student, where a child makes this transition from dad and mom shaping and driving their faith— in a particular direction to them owning it and them becoming the the driver and the author of that faith. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was saying before we jumped on the podcast, that I envy you guys as faculty and staff because you get to see that happen with students to have when the light bulb comes on and they shift out of 
okay, here's a whole bunch of stuff that I know about God into actually delighting in their faith and delighting in God, seeing that happen across the student body uh, as they move through their years, that's got to be an extraordinary thing to see. (laughs) It is a lot of fun. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. And I think the same thing applies in each of our individual families. That transition has to happen. Yeah. And it's one of those parental let go moments Mm. where we have to take a step back as mom and dad and go, they're in charge of their own faith. I can orchestrate. I can counsel, I can tee up all kinds of opportunities, but the bottom line is it's their faith, and there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. You seem to be talking about the idea that part of our job as parents is to increasingly make ourselves ever less necessary. Yeah. And that's really uncomfortable, especially with all the proximity and the hopefully just the love and warmth mm-hmm. and good relationships that we would have with our children. Sure. But you have said that very confidently. Is it as easy inside for you to work towards that as you have said it out loud? I wouldn't say easy. I guess the way I think about it is there's there are seasons. I've once heard it um, described as in parenting that that there comes a point in time where you become more of a coach mm. and. Um, where you get to provide counsel from the sidelines and or when they come to you and ask. <laughs> and we haven't quite hit that season yet, but I know it's quickly coming. Yeah, uh, And so that's the wrestle that happens internally with being a mom or being a dad is getting okay with, wow, we're in the middle of a season change here. And I'm going to have less of a direct role in my child's spiritual formation, and i got to get okay with that. Because if I'm not, I'm still trying to do it in the previous way, and my child has advanced past that, and they're not having it. Mm -hmm. And so trying to stay connected to where your child is at, and that takes a lot of adaptation as parents. And it's incredibly challenging. I don't mean to sound like it's that easy. It's mm. it's it's really challenging. Yeah. It's really difficult. It's a heart thing because pragmatically you can understand it, but it's much more harder to do when you're in the midst of trying to love your child well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. That's a lot harder. Yeah, proximity is where the magic is, but it's so much harder. It is. To, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm so enjoying our conversation, and I, I want to hear more, and hopefully we get a chance to continue sure. at, at other times at the Coffee with the CEO and other places. But I want to uh, draw us to a close with our question that we always close with. One book that you think everyone should read. That would be Spiritual Rhythms, and the subtitle is Being with Jesus Every Season of Your Soul by Mark Buchanan. Mm. And the reason why I make that recommendation is I think Mark Buchanan does a really good job of drawing an analogy between the seasons in the natural world of spring, summer, fall, and winter, and making the parallel to say that we also have seasons— or rhythms in our spiritual life. And so 
understanding that and coming to grips with that has been a pretty significant deal in my life Mm -hmm. and recognizing that there are times of hustle like summer and when things are just firing on all cylinders. And then there's times like winter where, as Psalm 88 says, darkness is my closest friend. And you got to be... You got to be okay with those rhythms and recognize that Jesus is in those same rhythms with you. And that's why I love that book so much. It's one that's on my favorite bookshelf. Great recommendation. I need to add it to the list. This is going to be a huge blessing to those who are listening. Thank you, Kevin, for being on the show. You're welcome. The Transforming Lives Podcast is a production of Covenant Christian High School in Indianapolis, Indiana. To discover more about minds enlightened, hearts inflamed, and lives transformed, visit our website at covenantchristian.org.